services to people in northern and eastern Maine since 1984. Insurance, Maine Care, self-pay accepted, and reduced fees for uninsured clients. MabelWadsworth.org. That's Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers with Bobby Timmons moaning. Hey, if you like jazz from the 50s, 60s, and early 70s, if you like the sound that comes from the labels like Blue Note, Prestige, and Riverside, join me, Larry, on Jazz Straight Ahead from 6 to 8 on Wednesdays on WERU-FM. Hard bop, bebop, post bop, and who knows what else. On Jazz Straight Ahead, Wednesdays, 6 to 8, on WERU-FM, 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor. Streaming live at WERU.org. WERU is made possible by the generous support of our listeners. Thank you. You're listening to WERU 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and streaming live at WERU.org. We're a voice of many voices. We're volunteer-powered, and we are you listener and uh, volunteer-supported. Stay tuned for a very special main currents involving us locally here and i think uh, those of you in belfast will be particularly interested to hear this those of us in bucksport also Good morning and welcome to this special edition of main currents independent local news views and culture i'm your host amy brown as most listeners are likely aware, plans are underway to build land-based salmon aquaculture facilities in Bucksport and Belfast. Back in March on Maine Currents, we aired a public meeting about the Bucksport facility that included a presentation by the company and the public question and answer session that followed. In April, we did a short segment ahead of a key Belfast City Council meeting, and in early June, we had both supporters and opponents of the Belfast proposal join us for a call-in show all of those programs are available now on our archives at weru.org if you missed any of those and would like to listen. At the end of our last show on this issue back in early June, we started planning for today's show, which was intended initially to focus on the water usage issues and the discharges into Penobscot Bay. Uh, the rep for Nordic Aqua Farms, who was with us, Ted O'Meara, at the last show said that he would attempt to get someone from the company who is a technical expert to join us for today's show to answer questions about those issues. And the other supporter of the project who was with us on the last show, Belfast City Councilor Mike Hurley, also uh, had planned to attend again for this show. However, a few weeks after the last show, we heard from the Nordic Aquaculture rep saying that they were no longer interested in participating in our program, and we also more recently have heard from City Councilor Mike Hurley also withdrawing from participation in the program and accusing WERU of being biased on this issue. So just to be clear, we don't have any supporters of the project in the room with us today because both of them backed out. Uh, and hopefully some of them will call in. Hopefully some of you who are listeners who support this project will call in. But normally I don't go into the ins and outs of how we book guests on this uh, program. But this is reflective of how this issue is playing out in Belfast. It's very divisive. And unlike the tank issue in Searsport a few years back, the, it's not always really clear on which side of the issue people are going to fall. So it's uh, the politics are very heated right now, and I'm sure some of that will be reflected in today's program. Joining me in the studio today are Ellie Daniels, a longtime Belfast business owner and resident who has a property near the project, and also Lawrence Reichert, a regular here on Maine Currents, who's also been reporting on the proposal, doing some investigative journalism and writing about it in his column, Bricks and Mortars, in the Republican Journal. I'm going to have them both say a little bit about their involvement and interest in this project, and then we'll be opening the phone lines pretty early on, in about 10 minutes 
The number is 469-0500. I'll give it again when we're ready to open the phone lines. But first, I'd like to give them each a chance to let you know what their involvement is in case you have questions for them. Uh, Ellie, do you want to go first and let us know what your involvement is? Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Amy, for having us on this morning. And uh, I, too, am sorry that we don't have uh, representatives from another point of view. I think it's the best discussions happen when um, they come from different viewpoints. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I'm very glad to be here. Um, I've lived in Waldo County since 1983 and um, uh, owned uh, two businesses in Waldo County, this, uh, one of which I retired from a year and a half ago, but I still own the green store down on Main Street. Um, back in uh, the 1st of February, we um, first heard about this uh, development happening in Belfast, and um, I was completely shocked that uh, it was uh, a development that, in fact, was going to happen right in my backyard involving um, disruption of 40 acres of mature uh, uh, forest back there along the little river and along the trail that so many people love so much in Belfast. That was my first uh, connection to it, but uh, once I began to research what was being planned for Belfast, I was absolutely uh, shocked and uh, um, frankly very overwhelmed by uh, the scope of it, the the size of it, it's going to be a massive fish farm. It's going to basically be a concentrated animal feeding operation and um, the uh, environmental issues associated with it. And it has continued to be an issue the, the deeper I dig into it, uh, the more I learn and the more I am absolutely certain that I have to uh, work against um, having this project come not just to Belfast, but also to Maine. We're very vulnerable here in Maine to this, and I can talk about that later. Um, one of the steps that we've taken, there's two issues. There's the issues of the fish farm itself, and then there's the issues of the city process that's gone on around the, the fish farm. Uh, my partner and I have um, filed a lawsuit against the city. Uh, we filed it in our names because we were a butters who had uh, a reason to do that. And uh, the lawsuit has to do with the um, public processes that happened uh, around the changing of the zoning of that piece of property. Um, in fact, uh, our lawyer found that uh, Belfast um, did not follow the guidelines as set out in their own uh, zoning ordinance. Um, requiring a planning board or some kind of a, a comprehensive plan committee, um, a citizens committee, um, to uh, review uh, the zoning change before um, it happens. Um, uh, quite the opposite, the, the planning board was excused from that by uh, the city. And the second thing is uh, that they did not uh, follow what uh, Maine law requires of all municipalities, which is a certain procedural requirement for adopting and amending uh, comprehensive plans uh, that happened in the same meeting. Um, not only did it happen in the same meeting, it actually happened out of order with the zoning ordinance. Uh, it should have happened first in order to pave the way for the zoning ordinance, but it happened second. Um, and uh, it's the state of Maine that requires that a comprehensive plan cannot be amended without uh, a planning committee of some sort, which is often the planning board, um, reviewing the change to that plan. So, uh, you know, uh, that's something I'd love to touch on a good bit this morning is uh, what is happening um, uh, from Washington, D.C. down to our small towns and cities um, where citizens are uh, frequently being left out of um, having their voices be fully included in um, talking about the future of the places where they live and where they pay taxes. Thank you. Ellie Daniels. Lawrence Reichert. I want to say a little bit about your involvement with this and reporting on it. Sure. Uh, good morning. It's great to be here, and thank you very much for having us. Um, and I, too, regret uh, the absence of folks with a different point of view. Um, in any event, um, I have been living in Belfast off and on for 40 years, and uh, for just about four years now, I've been writing my bricks and mortars column for the Republican Journal. 
and this is the biggest issue to hit Belfast, at least in my opinion, in, in those four years that I've been writing the column. So I, I guess I just have a natural proclivity to be interested in it. And, um, and I went to the first Nordic um, Aqua Farms uh, public information meeting back on, I think it was February 21st. And, and actually, it's funny, you know, initially, I, I was uh, rather inclined to support the project. Um, but I went to that meeting and there were things there that just did not add up. And, uh, you know, they really um, crossed my radar screen. And uh, so ever since then, um, uh, I've been looking into it and digging and researching it. And um, and kind of like Ellie was saying a moment ago, I mean, the more I, du- I, I, I dug into it, um, the more I saw things that didn't add up. And uh, so that's my basic intro. I'd love to get into some of this, these specific issues that, that I've been working on. All right. Well, let me give the phone number. And we have a whole list of issues that we want to get into, but the callers will direct what order we get into them in, I think, because we'll uh, pause and take phone calls as they come in. The number is 469-0500. Again, 469-0500. John Greenman's in the studio. He'll be uh, taking calls for us and letting us know when you're there. We obviously encourage people to call in if you have questions or opinions or information to share on any side of this issue. And our first caller today is Yo. Welcome to the program, Yo. Good morning. This is Yo in Tremont. If someone thinks radio coverage of the product project is biased, it is because the people of Mid Coast, Maine, are biased against the project. It's not the radio's fault. The very fact the negotiations were secret and proponents won't join the discussion is proof they know it is a dirty deal. Parameters of the actual site plan pale alongside the abrogation of due process required to abnegate the people's will as expressed in the comprehensive plan and popular discussion. You can't reason with them. They feel no regret. They won't stop until you're dead. Thank you for putting on this program and thank you to everyone for being Community Radio. Thanks for the call, Yo. We have MJ up on deck next. Uh, welcome to the program, MJ. Hi. Thank you to all of you, and it's really hard to follow, Yo. Um, okay, my I have many issues with the, the fish factory, but a huge one is has to do with water and selling off the water and the amount of water that will be needed for it. Um, NPR did a program about a week ago, and it was about the aridification of the United States that states from California and the Southwest and such, they, call, they say, you know, we have drought conditions. It's, drought means it's temporary. What's happening is it's becoming permanent, aridification. And it's not just happening on the Southwest and on the, the, the West Coast. It's also happening in Maine. In southern Maine, we have uh, conditions that have gone from uh, abnormal drought to moderate. It's really affecting them. We also have other counties from Oxford County to Aroostook County that are suffering from drought conditions. When the soil dies because of drought, the worms die and the soil dies because of drought. And we have that in our own backyard right here in Belfast. We grow vegetables. The rain that's predicted for tomorrow is not predicted to ameliorate the, the condition. So when our city that I love, and I do love our city councilors, Mike Hurley, even though other people don't, um, when, when our city says that it's okay to sell off our water and to use all this water, they can never predict, never, say never, it cannot be predicted that our water table won't change and that we won't need that water. And if we're going to give away water, I would rather give it to farmers in other parts of this state, if we're going to ship it places, than give it away. And if you need to eat omega-3s, you can get them from plants. And even if you want your damn salmon, it doesn't have to be the biggest fish farm in the whole world in our backyard. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks, MJ. We have another caller waiting, but before we uh, move on, uh, Ellie, the Water District has said that the water usage would uh, not be 
even as much as was previously used when the chicken industry was so big in that part of Waldo County. Uh, why the concerns? Well, um, first of all, I think when they talk about the water usage, they're talking about the maximum amount of water that they agreed that they would sell to Nordic Aqua Farms, which is uh, they agreed that they would sell uh, a minimum of 100 million gallons a year and a maximum of 263 million gallons a year, added to uh, about uh, an average of 250 million uh, gallons a year. Um, then you have basically what was being used during the days of the chicken farm. Um, but we want to add to that the fact that uh, Nordic Aqua Farms has stated that they uh, they drilled their test wells in order to show that they could sustainably uh, produce 1,200 gallons a minute from uh, the uh, Little River watershed area where they will be located. Um, well, their their wells did show that uh, they, they uh, stated in a meeting that they were about 75% certain that they could get that kind of a flow. Of course, they did this um, in the spring, and a number of us have said, you know, this is a watershed. Uh, why wouldn't you do this in drier conditions if you're looking for a sustainable flow? Altogether, Nordic Aqua Farms, um, uh, by their own statements, plans to take about 900 million gallons a year um, out of fresh water, um, both out of the watershed and from the water district. And if you want uh, something to sort of put that uh, in a context, uh, if you added up all four of the Poland Springs facilities, they are drawing from four locations 1.3 billion gallons a year. I also want to say that Maine is one of three states in the country that still relies on a very antiquated uh, basis for our water law, which is uh, something called absolute dominion, which um, leaves little sort of recourse for someone who is affected by a large water user on a piece of land. Uh, absolute Dominion basically um, is the reason why we have 22 water extraction and bottling plants in the state of Maine right now. It's our law. We're vulnerable. All right. Let's take another call. We have Stephen and Hope. Welcome to Maine Currents. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I've, I've got a quick question here. Um, the problem is water usage, well, why don't, aren't they made to uh, build their own desalination plant and get their water from the ocean? And that way they won't affect local users of water and they'll have to make their own water. That's, and that's all I have to say. That's an interesting question. Uh, Lawrence, do you want to take that on? Sure. Uh, desalination is very expensive. <laughs> There's your quick answer. Um, I, the other thing is I'm, Nordic Aqua Farms has said that they searched the world over for a place to build this, and they they settled on Belfast. I think it's clear to all of us one of the major reasons, if not the major reason for that, is the, the availability or the supposed availability of abundance, uh, abundant amounts of water. Um, I think that if they had to desalinate their water, they wouldn't come here. Um, it, it would just make it cost prohibitive. All right. We have uh, Lou from Monroe uh, up next on Main Currents. Welcome to the program, Lou. Hello. Lou, are you there? Yes. Okay. For, go ahead. You're on the air. Thanks for taking the call. I've got a lot of points to make, but I'll try to keep it brief. Um, I feel it's telling that, uh, that there's no representative from the corporation or from city government on the show today uh, and I feel like if it was a good idea for this uh, project that, that that they would be there but they know that they're vulnerable uh, uh, let's see I'd also like to address uh, the language that we use as we work to shoo this corporation out of the area I'd like to say that, uh, that it's not that they're going to be located or that they are going to be uh, doing anything in particular in Belfast. It's more like it may be, and uh, it's planned or it's proposed to be. Proponents are hoping that it will be, but uh, it's just not a done deal yet. And, um, oh, gosh. Um, I, uh, I would like to speak to fellows who are uh, looking for the kind of bravery it takes to speak up against these uh, 
these projects that um, don't feel as though you need to have all the facts and figures just speak from your heart uh, we can provide our group can provide plenty of facts and figures if you need them uh, mostly put up by the offered by the corporation itself uh, even though so many of these numbers are just shifting at, at a remarkable rate they seem to be a pretty slippery target uh, that's about the nut of what I have to say. Thank you. All right. Thank you for your call, Lou. We have another caller waiting, but Lawrence wanted to jump in here and address a couple of points Lou brought up. <laughs> okay. Well, one of them just skipped my mind. But in terms of having the facts and figures, I mean, we have facts and figures. Um, we're, we're not just discussing this in informal Yeah, terms. no, I think that's yeah. what he was saying is there's facts and figures of people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, all right, so do you want to? Well, I'd like to. I want to respond also to the idea of desalinization. And uh, so, actually, uh, uh, these salmon will be uh, the tiny smolts will be raised in 100% fresh water. And as they grow, they will incrementally uh, add salt into the mix, salt water into the mix, until we have uh, at full grow out a 50 50 um, salt and fresh. Uh, mix. And uh, if you're not aware, uh, the company uh, last I knew is talking about putting actually three pipes that will be about 30 inches across out into the bay. They will go down underground and drill horizontally one mile out into the bay, straight out towards Islesboro. And uh, two of those will be uh, intake pipes and one will be an outflow pipe. And uh, I, I can uh, speak a little bit more about what will be going out in that pipe. All right. Well, how, and we we do have two calls waiting quickly, Lawrence. Yeah, sure. Um, and another point in terms of that um, effluent that will be discharged into the bay. I mean, Nordic says it'll go. It the pipe will go out a mile, mile and a half, and they. Um, they they either indicate or say outright that this is going to be deep water and it will be easily flushed out to open sea. That's not true. Um, a mile to a mile and a half out, and it seems that they vary on those two figures. In any event, it, whether it's a mile or, or a mile and a half, it's 51 to 52 feet deep there. That's not deep water that's not much deeper than right offshore and and it is and it is not open water um you need to go all the way down to owl's head before you get anything close to open water okay let's take a let's take another call and uh for those of you who are just joining us you're listening to a weru main current special i'm amy brown my guests today in the studio are lawrence Reichert. you just heard from a columnist for the republican journal who's been reporting on this issue and ellie daniels a local business business owner and also a, uh, a budding uh, property owner to this uh, proposal to build a very large scale uh, salmon aquaculture facility in Belfast. We're taking your calls at 469-0500. Both phone lines are tied up right now, but keep calling if you're having a hard time getting through. Uh, we're going next to Jim in Belfast. Welcome to Maine Currents, Jim. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, my uh, thoughts today are that, you know, supporters say that the land-based salmon farms basically solve the problems of the pen farms, which are, you know, they have created problems with wild stocks around the planet. And, the, you know, this company that moved to um, the just a duck trap here is uh, owned by the largest aquaculture industry in the world, and they have 10,000 employees in 20 countries, and they have life problems everywhere, and they're sea-based pens. So they say, well, We'll put it on land and solve that. Well, I started doing some research, and basically the lice are attracted to the smell of the salmon, the pheromone. So that pipe out there, if they, if they ever build it, which which I hope they – I'm going to fight like crazy so they don't, but it's going to be a lice attractor, and it will attract lice there to uh, sea lice and to the pipe. So they, And the salmon farmers say well, who are doing land-based, well, so you're safe, our salmon are safe. Well, the wild stocks aren't. <laughs> so this would have so, been one of the reasons why it would have been great to actually have the technical expert from the company here to address what they can do, if anything, to uh, deal with the issue of the pheromones. Right. So, you know, I think that's a huge issue is, uh, and, you know, certain uh, sea lice are attracted only to salmon. Well, if we ever do get a, re a salmon recovery, and some people think, well, wild fish are a done deal. Well, I'm a, a father to an eight-year-old, and wild fish are not a done deal for me i'm going to fight like crazy for my son so he gets to see wild fish and this 
project would take up all the land the bandwidth for for fishing like it would put out like 50 fishermen would equal this business and you know i teach sustainability i've written book on sustainability and uh a monoculture in all my research i've never found a sustainable monoculture so even though this land-based pen i see it as more dangerous because the type of strains the diseases it could breed in a enclosure with no other life forms really and you're trying to eliminate all life that's why hospitals get these super tough strains of disease so the, the pens have already had to be, these on land sites have already had lots of disease problems and even up in nova scotia they've had the, just the, you go back several months and they've had to kill all the fish in pens and and they won't tell you even where it is or what the disease was the canadian government keeps it all hushed so these are the kinds of things we could be dealing with, and they don't always tell you, and where do you put the dead fish or the diseased fish? How do you not spread it? And the nitrogen bloom that could happen from their 160 pounds of nitrogen, which looks like it would be 10 Belfast city sewers dumping out that pipe, which they say after all their filtering and everything that they claim is so great, it would still be equal to 10 more cities of Belfast dumping nitrogen out that pipe. And the toxic blooms that come from that include all the shellfish blooms that happen and this is a danger to our health and also to the health of the, the ecosystem so i see it as the biggest threat to the recovery we, you know we have it's a disaster capitalism that survives and thrives on problems so the more the wild stocks are decimated the more uh, they do the more business they do and i think it's the absolute opposite of what we need we need right. to restore wild stocks, and I'll just leave it there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your call, Jim. I think both uh, Ellie and Florence would like to weigh in on that. We do have another caller waiting, so thanks for your patience, caller. We're going to let them go ahead and weigh in. And uh, since you mentioned his book, that was Jim Merkel of Belfast that you just heard from on the phone. Uh, Ellie. Ellie yeah, I'd, I'd love to share some uh, uh, information that's just recently come to our group uh, about the daily uh, discharge of uh, uh, soluble nitrogen effluent from the city of Belfast sewage treatment plant. Uh, this is something that the DEP has actually been uh, asking uh, to have uh, measured um, by by uh, the city of Belfast. And basically, uh, Belfast discharges 147 pounds daily of soluble nitrogen effluent. Um, and that is contained within 600,000 gallons of water. So uh, basically, that's effluent for 6,300 people uh, living in Belfast, um, right, right from the DEP. Uh, Nordic Aqua Farms has stated that it will be discharging 1,600 pounds of uh, water-soluble nitrogen effluent every single day, which in my view, uh, you have to make some adjustments to it, but we're talking about a, a city of 30,000 people, basically, in this uh, fish farm. Um, and that that's just, uh, we really need to pay attention to that. And furthermore, they talk about uh, uh, discharging six to eight pounds of phosphorus, and yet how you feed fish really um, makes a tremendous difference in how they're able to metabolize. Um, when you are feeding fish grain products, which is not a natural diet for them, and also uh, other mammal products besides small fish, then you're going to start to get different um, sorts of uh, uh, phosphorus that isn't easily uh, settled out in their processes, and you're going to get higher phosphorus. So um, this is really uh, a very, very big issue. Lawrence, did you want to add something? Yeah, I, I think Jim uh, touched on some good points. Um, and I've been speaking with sources in um, Norway um, and and in Denmark. And what what I've learned is that that. Um, you know, Nordic, Nordic is is trying to sell this thing on the notion that that land based is much better than sea based, and in, in some respects that may be true. But they also um, are saying that it will have no disease, and you know, Jim just touched on that, and um, and and that, as Jim pointed out, um, that's not true. Um, land based um, aquaculture has had incidents of disease, and um, my my source one. My primary source in Norway has also told me that it is too early in this game to say that there won't actually be lice inside the farm. Um, in the tanks themselves. We just don't know. This has not been around long enough um, for us to know. And it also, 
it also kind of brings up the issue of fish escaping. And, um, you know, Nordic is saying that fish will not escape. And, and they actually kind of laugh and scoff at the notion as if the, the fish would have to, you know, jump out of the pen and, and open the door and walk down to the open water. In fact, what happens is that there's constant water running through this. That's why they need 1,200 gallons per minute. Um, and and they're developed tears in the filters. And when the fish are very young and they're small, that's when the escapes happen. And and there have already been escapes. There was a thousand fish escape from from um, a, a fish farm in Norway. And the reason this is an issue is because those fish that escape may be, bring diseases with them that the open water fish are not accustomed to and have no defense. They also interbreed with the open water fish and make them less hardy because the land-based fish are less hardy. They also compete for spawning grounds and they destroy the, um, the eggs of the open water fish. All right. Catherine from Freeport, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Hi, thanks for letting me chime in. Um, I don't live in Belfast. I live in Freeport, but I think that this issue of um, industrial factory farming, whether it's fish farms or any other type of factory farm really impacts the entire state. So I feel that even though I don't get a vote in Belfast, um, I think this is an important issue for anybody who cares about the environment in Maine. Um, I also represent the Organic Consumers Association, which is a national consumer advocacy organization, which opposes, officially opposes this project as we oppose most industrial factory farming, um, they, the companies that are behind industrial factory farming love to talk about how they're providing a lot of cheap food for the masses, but actually they aren't being honest about the true cost. And generally speaking, um, the public pays for the real cost of cheap food in the form of poor health, damage to the environment, and loss of economic vitality in communities. So I, I do want to say that, you know, I, I support what uh, Lawrence and Ellie and others are saying and doing here, both as a, as a resident of Maine as, and as a representative of this organization. But I also want to make it clear that our organization, and I think most of the people who oppose this project, don't oppose business. We aren't anti-business. We're very pro-business, but we're pro-good, responsible businesses that actually enhance the local economy and don't funnel up the profits to some transnational corporation. All right. Thanks for your call. Let's take one more call, and then we'll have uh, our guests weigh in. Analog Anarchist from Dover Foxcroft, welcome to Maine Currents. Good morning. Uh, so you did say it is a Norwegian company. It occurs to me that, um, gee, don't they have a lot of fjords over in Norway? Oh, oh, wait. Norway doesn't allow genetically modified organisms. Is that the reason? Bye now. Thank you. Well, Lawrence, uh, <laughs> this is a good segue into some of what Lawrence has been doing, checking up on the company over there. Do you want to be the first one to weigh in on that? Sure. Well, one reason they might not want to use Norway's fjords is because a heck of a lot of them are already taken up with fish farms. And they are having considerable problems with those fish farms. Um, and and granted, you know, most of those are sea-based. Um, but as I just touched on earlier, um, some of the same issues apply as well to land-based, um, despite whatever protestations to the contrary might be made. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to address um, the issue that Catherine raised a moment ago, at which, you know, some people say, well, you're just NIMBY. You're, you know, not in my backyard. You're, you're anti-growth, you're anti-jobs, and you just don't want it in your backyard. And I, I agree with Catherine. I think that um, a lot of opponents of this project, that's not really what's going on here. Um, there, there are legitimate concerns about uh, pollution in the Bay, which we've touched on. 
um, there are concerns, legitimate concerns about water usage, um, uh, which we have touched on. There's also the destruction of the of one uh, one mile of the Little River Trail, uh, which if if listeners haven't been there and hiked it, I would very much encourage people to do that. It's very beautiful, and so so there's that. They they are going to narrow the corridor of that trail to 250 feet, which means that one would be hiking within uh, probably 125 feet of one of the largest uh, fish factories in the world. Uh, that, in my book, does not constitute a wilderness experience. I, I think also there have been, um, as I pointed out in my column, um, many r- misrepresentations and and um, frankly outright lies uh, put forth by Nordic, and that this raises legitimate concerns on the on the part of the people of Belfast that this corporation is coming in. They they say they don't know what's going to go in the fish feed, which affects their discharge into the bay, and they're saying you know trust us on this. They're they're saying trust us on a number of issues, but but things that they have said. Um, you know, call into question, you know, their reliability and their trustworthiness. This uh, brings up two of the arguments, I think, that I've seen among people who support it. One is not only is it a NIMBY thing, but it's uh, older, wealthier retirees versus younger people who want jobs in Belfast thing. And, and someone commented on our Facebook post, and I've heard other comments along the lines of, we're in a world that's vastly overpopulated. We're dealing with climate change. Wild salmon, uh, thinking of that coming back is not a possibility of feeding the world, and this is maybe uh, the way that we move forward in feeding the world. Ellie Daniels. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to respond to that. Um, the idea that uh, having uh, one meal a week of salmon is uh, something that all people should do for good health um, is just deeply flawed. It's really a privileged uh, sort of an idea. Um, and we really ought to be thinking about uh, eating less fish and less meat and more plant-based diet. Um, you know, I, I also want to talk about uh, what is really an issue that um, many, many communities are facing in Maine and that we should all be talking about together, all points of view together. And that is, uh, you know, just a, a, um, a quite a rapid gentrification of our, um, particularly our coastal communities, which um, has an effect of raising property valuations and uh, therefore raising uh, taxes and having a demand for uh, more city service and so forth. And uh, one of the big discussions uh, in Belfast has been around uh, taxes. But uh, I'm uh, very grateful to our city manager for writing an excellent letter that explained kind of the um, the impact of this industry coming into Belfast and, and what it might do for our taxes. And the bottom line is, uh, unlike what a city councilor said early on about a 50% reduction in taxes, that's not what's going to happen. Uh, there could be a dollar and 37 cents approximately drop in our mill rate and in the same breath our city manager talked about all of the uh, requests and needs that the city has Um, and so there is certainly no certainty that uh, we would see any um, or uh, you know any of that tax break or whether it would just go straight to services. The second thing is uh, this idea that somehow it's going to bring more um, jobs into our city and Frankly, I know a lot of small business people, myself included, who cannot fill the jobs we have. And this includes small industry in Belfast as well, Matthews Brothers, Robbins, Lumber. And uh, they really wonder why so much is being offered and done. I mean, the city to date has spent more than $250,000 of taxpayer money to uh, sweeten this deal for Nordic, including paying for the space where they are doing their marketing uh, presentations. So there's really some very uh, twisted uh, kind of um, non-inclusive things that have happened in Belfast. It's time for us all to sit down and talk about the real issues here, the lack of affordable housing, high tax bills for people who are lower income, and uh, what can we do to actually talk about making our 
uh, small city, uh, one that has a regenerative, a regenerative kind of approach to um, to uh, industry and jobs and our food systems and the way that our money moves around our town, because we have a lot of capacity in that area. Belfast is really unique in the way that we can think about these things. Yeah, um, I'd like to address that issue of, of, of food and, and protein. I mean, Nordic is selling this as the most efficient way to produce protein for a hungry planet, and that's simply not true. Um, it, it, as, as Ellie pointed out, the most efficient way to produce protein is through plant-based um, protein production. But even within the realm of seafood, um, as I pointed out in one of my columns, from, from the moment you take the forage fish, the small fish from Chile or Vietnam or, or Peru or wherever you're going to get it, from that moment until the moment, the, you know, Nordic Aquafarms salmon is on your, your dining room table, you've suffered an 84% loss of protein. Um, so, so to paint this as as the most efficient means of of protein production is is frankly ludicrous. The other thing is that at a June twelfth um, public information meeting in Belfast, as I also put this in a recent column, um, they had a panel of so-called experts, and one of them got up and said that well, humans don't eat the forage fish that go into the production of fish meal, which which feed the salmon in the fish farm. Well, that's simple not true. Uh, there, according to Wikipedia, there are 14 fish species that go into the makeup of fish meal, and 13 of those 14 are eaten by humans, and the 14th is consumed in the form of fish oil. Um, so, it, it, again, as I said in the column, I mean, you get one, two, or three of those wrong, you know, okay, that's a misstatement. You get 13 or 14 of out of 14 wrong, that's a lie. Well, and not only if they aren't even if they were not eaten by humans what is the impact of taking those fish out of uh, the cycle of other fish it, it's all a giant experiment amy the ecosystem well, I, I, I think the results of that experiment are already starting to come in, as Ali pointed out earlier. I mean, these forage fish, they're, the, they're anchovies, they're sardines, they're small fish. They're at the bottom of the fish food chain. You take them out of the equation, and you're, you're knocking out the whole... I, I mean, I'm not a marine biologist, but I don't think it takes one to see. You take out the first level in that food chain, and you are putting at grave risk the entire food chain. Mm. We have another caller on the line. Uh, we have Paul from Belmont. We'll uh, take that call. Let me just let people uh, remind people who are let people know who are just joining us. You're listening to a Main Current special. I'm Amy Brown. My guests in the studio today are Ellie Daniels, a uh, Belfast business owner and also a, a butter to this proposed salmon aquaculture facility that we're talking about in Belfast today. And Lawrence Reichert, a columnist. He does a bricks, bricks and mortars column in the Republican Journal. And uh, we have Paul from Belmont on the line. Thanks for waiting, Paul. Good morning, uh, everybody. Um, so I live in Belmont. I'm an organic farmer up on top of the hill here. And, and not my farm, but a few farms away is the headwaters of the Little River uh, estuary system. And it extends into Northport and into Belmont and it's Belfast. And uh, there are there are so many concerns. It's hard to pin down the one in which is the most important. So, mind you, I'm not pinning down one. I'm just bringing up one as an example of at least five or six that I'm actively investigating at this point. And I, I've been talking to the sludge czars of the DEP and the Department of Agriculture. Uh, the latest call was this morning. And uh, there's a small... Uh, recirculating aquaculture system run by the University of Maine that produces a sludge. And according to Maine state law, every, every farm that produces any kind of manure, which the sludge from a fish farm is now technically considered, is, is required to have a, uh, uh, <clears throat> nutrient management plan. And so I've been looking for where the sludge from the humane facility is going and we know it gets hauled off somewhere but none of the people who work for the state of maine can tell me where it is going after extensive investigation and then i i continue to ask questions about uh, 
the sludge disposal, whether it's going to be composted, what about the salt content in it. And the, and the phone call I had this morning with the, um, the Department of Forestry and Agriculture Nutrient Management Manager uh, was that they have not approached him to discuss with him about the vast amount of manure from this confined animal operation, which is going to be laced with salt, the water content, or, in fact, how they are going to deal with the fact that in six months of the year, it's inadvisable and illegal to spread liquefied sludge on farmland. So they either have to dry it, which is very, very expensive, and store it, or dry it and compost it, or they have to build very, very large settling lagoons, perhaps perhaps in the Little River. We don't know. Uh, so if you start thinking about this, you end up looking, it looks more and more like a confined hog operation, large lagoons of uh, effluent waste water. And um, you, would, you would think that the people, you know, the DEP is going to take care of us. They're going to they're going to solve all those problems. And the Belfast City officials keep saying, oh, that's, that, everything's going to be fine, the DEP, the Department of Ag. So have the rules been written yet for the disposal of waste from giant fish farms? Ellie well, Daniels you know is what? shaking her head no. There is no money available, and they are not. That's of this morning. There are no rules written. There are no rules concerning the governing of what happens to this CAFOs or the Bucksport CAFOs and our regulators oh, have not yeah been you can't use that word on the radio and uh paul i'm going to ask you to uh wrap it up because we've got another That's caller it. waiting oh okay thank you for your call uh we're going to take another call uh let uh ellie and lawrence weigh in after this next call and then we'll take just a few more calls because we're going to leave a few minutes at the end for them to wrap up so the number is 469-0500 if you want to be up on deck kate from belfast welcome to main currents hi thanks so much amy and thanks to weru and uh Thanks, Ellie and Lawrence, um, for speaking up. Um, it's not been easy. I also live in Belfast, and similar to Lawrence, when I first heard about this, I kind of wanted to be a supporter. I thought, well, you know, I don't know very much about this. So my initial reaction wasn't to oppose this thing. Um, although I have to say, when Governor LePage was the one bringing it to Belfast, and it was a secret, that did make me a little concerned. Um, but a few things that haven't been mentioned that I wanted to add to the conversation is that um, the CEO of Nordic Aquafarms, Eric Heim, um, has built facilities like this in other countries. I believe it was in Sweden that he built one and sold it uh, before he even opened it. And so that's kind of stuck in my craw that this could all move along and we could be told all kinds of wonderful things about what's going to come to Belfast. And we don't, however, know. You know, we could end up with um, aqua advantage fish in this facility which is the name of the genetically engineered salmon and that salmon um, which was developed right over the border uh, two borders in Massachusetts um, is just starting to come to markets in this country they're opening their first facility in I think it's Indiana this year and those fish grow to market size in 16 to 18 months rather than three years so if you're an investor and if you're doing this to make money, that would seem to me to be something to consider. Um, initially, he's claiming not, but of course, because he's trying to create public uh, support. Uh, the other issue is that this is one of two facilities that we're aware of. Um, you know, Bucksport listeners, I'm sure, are very aware that Whole Oceans is opening uh, another large one of these. Uh, and I call them CAFOs, which I think is more accurate than farms. CAFO stands for Concentrated Animal Feeding Operation. It's a federal definition, and it fits these facilities. And so I encourage people to drop the word farm, which has positive, uh, brings positive images to mind. We love farms, and call them what they are. They're salmon CAFOs. Um, so Ben Willauer, who is with Whole Oceans, was speaking to some students at UMaine Orono, and mentioned that there's a third one of these things coming. He wouldn't say where or anything, but if you look at our geography, I'm sure it's going to be not too far from Bucksport and Belfast. And so that raised all kinds of alarm bells and made me think that we are being identified as a national sacrifice zone 
to this industry. And I've lived previously in the national sacrifice zone to the nuclear energy industry. These are, these are real delineations. I'm not making this up. Um, do a little homework and uh, finish up with the, the chiromones. So um, the things that the salmon emit versus pheromones. Pheromones are to attract other Atlantic salmon. Chiromones is an actual subset of those that attract just the parasites. They don't attract mates. And the parasites that the Atlantic salmon uh, attract are these sea lice. And I want to um, echo what Jim Merkel said earlier, which is at the effluent pipeways, we're going to have a bunch of sea lice waiting for a meal. And any of our remaining endangered Atlantic salmon swimming by, think of the Duck Trap River, think of the Penobscot River, they're going to be targeted and they're going to be taken out. And exactly as Jim said, that's probably part of the plan. It took a lot of work to get those fish listed, both uh, Senator King, who was our governor at the time, and Olympia Snow fought the federal listing of Atlantic salmon in Maine. So this industry has been ruling uh, very large for a long time now, and I'll, I'll finish up. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Kate. We're actually running really short on time. I'm going to go ahead and take this one last phone call, and then we'll take the rest of the time for our guests uh, to uh, give some reactions to these last phone calls and also make some final remarks. Go ahead, Ron in Rockland. Hi, Amy. Uh, yes, uh, to be very brief here, everything that I've been hearing is indicates that we really need to uh, to ask the Corps of Engineers and other agencies necessary to do what's called a regional environmental impact study. I've also heard from whole oceans that, that uh, the, the lower Penobscot River may become very intensely uh, used this way and the upper bay perhaps, and that we really, without, if we're only going to ex- look at one at a time, we're just not going to be able to protect this bay. And so uh, that is really one of the most important things you get out of this by hearing all of the complicated issues that are there well, Ron, 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 let yeah. me just ask you on that point before you move to another one. I know you've been involved with uh, other projects that mm-hmm. involve these agencies in the past. Right now you're dealing with LePage's DEP. You're dealing with Trump's EPA. Uh, do you have faith that those agencies will function as they did in the past when dealing well, so, with, say, Sears so Island? Far the, so far the DEP, they're, you call them the line people, you know, the people that actually work permits as opposed to the politicals, like the regional directors, uh, they they seem determined to be honest, at least on this particular project, as far as I could tell with uh, with the gentleman from DEP, Greg, uh, I think it was Greg Wood. But anyway, uh, I, I think that the Corps also, uh, because they've gotten so smacked around by, by a lot of different activists during the Sears Island debacles, uh, that they've they know that the better part of discretion here is to be open. At least we're hoping so. And so the main thing is that as many people as possible simply keep tabs contacting the organizations because keep some sunshine on everything that they're doing and we'll all be informed and not just have to wait for announcements. This or that's going to happen and we'll be ahead of the game. And I think that's happening and I'm really, really glad to see that going on. Thank you for your call, Ron. And uh, that'll be the last call that we have time for takes. So I want to leave about five minutes for each of you to finish up. Um, I know, Ellie, you have an event you want to announce. I want you, if you can also, in your concluding remarks, talk about where things are in the process and where they go from here. Lawrence, uh, when you talk, uh, if you can touch on where people can find your column. Sure. And uh, also, I know that you are crowdsourcing a possible trip to uh, head over to do some more investigative reporting uh, on the ground uh, in Nordic Farms headquarters back yard so if you want to touch on that as well sure. uh we uh started with ellie at the beginning why don't we start with you lawrence and then we'll have ellie will have the last word okay great well um in terms of finding my column it it is available on newsstands um once it, well, I, actually it's every other what's week <laughs> what's a newsstand yeah um but and online. Uh, yeah it's this thing called paper but it's also um online at waldo.villagesuit.com um and click on i think it's opinion and and it's there um and uh, if folks don't live in Waldo County and want to subscribe to my column, they can email me at lreichert at gmail.com. And that's L-R-E-I-C-H-A-R-D at gmail.com. 
Um, as you said, yes, I am uh, planning a possible uh, trip to Norway and Denmark, where uh, Nordic also has operations in Denmark, and I am crowdsourcing that. Um, if if folks want to uh, uh, help out and donate, uh, that would be great. I ask, however, that that folks first donate to the uh, local Citizens for Smart Growth, uh, which of which Ellie is a member, and they're working on this and working doing great work. Um, so I would encourage folks to donate to that first, and if they have a few nickels left over after that, perhaps they could send them my way. People can contact me, um, as I said, at uh, lreichard at gmail.com. That's L-R-E-I-C-H-A-R-D. Um, and folks can always find me through the Republican Journal in Belfast. All right. And just real quickly, can you touch on what the topic was of your last column? Because we didn't get a chance to get into that today. Um, well, yeah, um, the, the Nordic announced at the public information meeting on June 12th that uh, CEO Eric Heim's wife um, had been hired to do public relations for uh, this project, if not for the entirety of Nordic Aquafarms, I'm not certain. Um, but in any event, um, I I went into her her background and her her work experience and and uh, her corporate experience and it was very interesting um and i it it we don't really have enough time for me to go no, into that no but just people can find that online still absolutely okay. at, at dot com okay. or contact me all right great thanks ellie daniels yeah uh, um you know with respect to that which i encourage you to go and read that column it was uh very interesting i just want to um also uh echo uh what our last caller i think it was kate was talking about um and also i think it was maybe Catherine from freeport that mm -hmm. um this is not just a little local issue um in fact i've been trying to talk to my uh, state representative and uh, about it, and uh, she feels uh, it's a local issue. It's not just a local issue. It's very much a Maine issue. We're very vulnerable in Maine because of our water laws and because of our beautiful resources. Um, and this is not just a Maine issue. This is actually a national issue. Uh, right now, the biggest fish farm, the land-based uh, CAFO, fish CAFO, um, is down in Homestead, Florida, which is the same part of uh, Florida that has been opening up gigantic uh, uh, sinkholes uh, in their, in their uh, soil. And uh, rather than pumping their effluent out, they're going to inject it into the earth. Um, so it's um, much like you know what we've been doing with uh, uh, you know some of our um, petroleum industry um, it's pretty devastating uh, something came across my feed about the fact that uh, we now have a full-time federal lobbying group down in uh, Washington that uh, is working on these uh, uh, recirculating aquaculture systems and uh, the two big names in the lobbying group are Cargill Chemical and uh, Red, Red Lobster which is basically uh, the equivalent of McDonald's of fast fish um, and, uh, you know, just to wrap it up, I do want to tell you that uh, our group is uh, uh, in an effort to sort of broaden the conversation uh, towards uh, talking about what a truly regenerative kind of industry, a regenerative economy would look like. Uh, we're going to have an event at the Belfast Library. It's our second event. We had great attendance and great conversation at the first, August 22nd, which is a Wednesday evening from 630 to 8. And uh, we're going to focus focus on uh, a speaker from Slow Money Maine and a couple other speakers who are uh, talking about regenerative economies. And I really hope people will talk out, uh, c come out and uh, join the conversation. And you have a Facebook page for that group as well? We do. We do. If you just simply look up on Facebook, Local Citizens for Smart Growth, there is so much information there. I, you know, you could spend a lot of time there. All right. I'll put a link to that on the archives for today's program as well as a link to Lawrence's column and your email address if you're okay with yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Since she's it out over yes. there. Okay. Thank you both for joining me today. appreciate it. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you. Yes, Thanks, thank Lynn. you for having us on, Amy. And that is all we have time for today. You've been listening to Maine Currents. 
independent local news, views, and culture. This has been a special edition. Uh, be sure to catch us also at our regular time now, which is monthly on the first Thursday of each month from 10 to 11 o'clock. I'm Amy Brown. My guests today were Ellie Daniels and Lawrence Reichert. Thank you to John Greenman, who fielded calls from the control room. Who's, we're waving to him here and he's not seeing us, but thank you, John. <laughs> and thanks everybody who called in and participated in today's program. You're listening to Community Radio WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Stay tuned for On the Wing coming up next, and as always, a great day of programming both musical and news and public affairs here on your community radio station. We have a little bit of a minute here before we have to go to the breaks on the end of the hour. So let's take a quick look at the weather because it's exciting uh, in a sort of a negative way. We're going to have a high of 78 today with showers likely this afternoon and tonight. Showers um, and areas of fog with a low of 68. Heavy rains on Thursday and areas of fog uh, the high of 76. And Thursday night, chance of thunderstorms, then mostly cloudy, low of 64 Thursday night. Friday, partly sunny, high of 83. Friday night, chance of thunderstorms, then chance of showers, low of 64 Friday night. Saturday is going to be chance of showers, then chance of thunderstorms. More weather coming our way. For WERU comes from our listeners and from Birch Moon Midwifery, providing home and office-based midwifery care.